Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Highly interesting to those on the bank above. May Pascand Olive cried the member. Olives are evidently no use as a support in a case like yours, and diachylon would be more use to you now than soft mallows. The Chancery Barrister, who had happily reached the bottom, walked round by a more accessible path, and nothing further either from Horace or Virgil occurred to him for more than an hour. Perhaps the difference in the weather had something to do with it, but we found the Dent du Jamon not nearly so difficult to climb as the Roche de Ney. After the scamper across the snow and the climb over this little ice-collar, down which the Chancery Barrister had slipped, there is no more snow. We climb up by steps worn by the feet of many adventurers. The top is a level cone, with an area not much greater than that of a moderate-sized dining-room. There was not a breath of wind, and the sun beat down with a warmth made all the more delicious by the recollection of the frozen region through which we had passed. The Don is only a trifle above six thousand feet high, but the prospect as seen from it stretches far. Below is the Canton de Vaux, a portion of the Jura chain of mountains, the far-reaching Alps of the Savoy, a bit of the lake gleaming like an emerald under the white tops of the mountains, a cloud on the southern horizon that the guide tells us are the mountains of the valley, and still to the south, just touched by the sun, glitter the snow summits of the great St. Bernard. Coming down, we bivouac in the chalet, lighting up the fire again. Here, twelve hundred feet lower down, it is bitterly cold, in spite of, perhaps because of, the fire. The chalet is built with commendable deference to the necessity for ventilation. The wind-smelling fire comes rushing over the snow, and we are glad to put on coat and caps. The conversation turns to legal topics and certain eminent personages are discussed with great severity. Of one it is roundly asserted that he is mad. "'I am quite sure of it,' said the Chancery Barrister, who has recovered his spirits with his footing. "'And I'll tell you why. He seconded me for the Reform Club, and—we all agree that this is quite enough. But the Chancery Barrister insists on proceeding with his narrative— of which it seems this was merely the introduction. We found our naturalist of very little use. We had expected he would mount with us whatever heights we sought, and had pleasing views of his explaining the flora as we went along. But he always had some excuse that kept him on lower levels. One morning he declared he had passed a sleepless night, 
owing to the efforts of two Scotch lads who occupied the room next to him. They had some taste for carpentering, and were addicted to getting up in the dead of the night and doing odd jobs about the room. At half-past five a.m. they left their couch and began playing Cain and Abel. Only the naturalist protested there is no authority in scripture for the fearful row Abel made when Cain got him down on his back. At other times our naturalist had heard of a Camberwell beauty in the neighbourhood, and must needs go and catch it, which, by the way, he never did. On the whole, we conclude our naturalist is an impostor. We reserved the Roche de Ney till the last day. It was rather a stupendous undertaking, the landlord assuring us that four guides were necessary. One led a horse that no one would ride, one carried the indispensable luncheon basket, and two fared forth at early morn to cut steps in the snow. The sun was shining when we started on this desperate enterprise, and it was hot enough as we toiled along the lower heights. But when we reached the snow level, the sun had gone in, having just shone long enough to make the snow wet. Then a cold, bleak wind set in, and we began to think that after all there was more in the naturalist than met the eye. Whilst we were toiling along, sometimes temporarily despairing, and generally up to our waists in snow, he was enjoying the comforts of the hotel, or strolling about in languid search of fabulous butterflies. Picking our way round a hill in which had been cut in the snow a ledge about two feet wide, we came in face of the slope we were to climb. Up at the top, looking like black ants, were the guides cutting a zigzag path in the snow. The member observed that if any one were to offer him a sovereign and his board, on condition of his climbing up this slope, he would prefer to remain in indigent circumstances. As we were getting nothing for the labour, were indeed paying for the privilege of undertaking it, we stuck at it, and after a steady climb reached the top, when the wind was worse than ever. It was past luncheon-time, and every one was ferociously hungry, but it was agreed that if we camped here and lunched we should never get to the top. So on we went through the sloppy snow, pursued by the keen blast that cut through all possible clothing. It was a hard pull, and not much to see for it, since clouds had rolled up from the west and hid the promised panorama. The wind was terrible, and there was no shelter. But we could hold out no longer, and the luncheon being laid upon the sloppy grass, the patriarch, with his accustomed impartiality, went round with his knife. By this time we had induced him to take the sardines last, which he obligingly did. We ran most of the way back to the side of the hill where the snow had been cut. The exercise made us a little warmer, and the genial influence of the cold fowl, the hard-boiled eggs, the sardines, and the thin red wine beginning to work, we were able to enjoy the spectacle of the patriarch leading the first party down the perilous incline. We had ropes, but didn't think it worth while to be tied. 
the party was divided into two sections, half a dozen holding on to a rope. It must have been a beautiful sight from many a near mountain height to watch the patriarch's chimney-pot hat slowly move downwards on the zigzag path. "'What's that Virgil says about ranging mountain-tops?' said the Chancery Barrister. "'May Parnassi deserta per ardua dulcis raptat amor, Juvat ire jugis, qua nulla priorum Castalia molli divertitur orbita clivo.' He had got in the centre of the second party, and with two before him, three behind, and a firm grip on the rope, he thought it safe to quote poetry. We had eight days at Les Avants, of which this, devoted to the ascent of the Roche, was the only one the sun did not shine upon. Whether on mountain or in valley, what time the sun was shining, it was delightfully warm. The Narcissi were not yet out, but the fields were thick with their buds. How the place would look when their glory had burst forth on all the green Alps, we could only imagine. But already everywhere bloomed the abundant marigolds, the hepaticae, the violets, the oxlips, the gentians, the primroses, and the forget-me-nots. End of chapter 11「ラッキー・ポッド」More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.